Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Danielle Carter, and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends. If you have thoughts or comments on what we should cover in a future episode, let us know. Talk with us on Twitter at Cisco Champion. Whether you're a seasoned IT professional or simply intrigued by the latest tech developments, this episode promises valuable insights into solutions reshaping the tech landscape. I will let our Cisco guests and champions introduce today's topic, but let's first get started with introductions. Len, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Hey, thank you. My name is Len Ledford and I'm with Sirium Networks in the Pacific Northwest. I am a solutions architect and I've been working with Cisco Meraki equipment for about the last uh, twin 12 years. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. The next up is Ryan. Can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, hi, my name is Ryan Harris. Uh, I'm a senior network engineer for a company called Blue Alley, and we do consulting work uh, all over the country. Thank you so much for joining us today. Last but not least, from our Cisco champions, Gerard, tell us who you are. What's going on, everyone? Super excited to be back here talking about Meraki. Always love that. Uh, my name is Gerard Cavalinas. I am a network and security engineer for Aqueduct Technologies, and I'm also the founder of Tech House 570. You could find me at G. Cavalinas, Gerard Cavalinas on LinkedIn, wherever books are sold. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Gerard. Okay, on to our Cisco guest. Thank you so much for being on today's episode, Nico and Alex. Can you tell us who you guys are and what it is that you do at Cisco? Go first, Nico. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, my name is Nico Nero, and I am a MS TME covering uh, the Unified Platforms. Awesome. All right. So uh, I'm Alex Berger. Uh, I'm a principal TME uh, working in the Meraki business unit focused on, I used to be an MS TME, uh, and then I, I now focus on MR, MS, MX, and kind of Catalyst Wireless, the, the whole network access gamut of uh, technologies. Well, we appreciate you guys for joining us today. Nico, Alex, can you just give us a little bit of background on today's topic before we get into the questions? Uh, absolutely. So, the, the big announcement, right, is, is uh, we're announcing the Catalyst 9300, right? Uh, the Dash M SKU, this is born Meraki, right? So it's the best of both platforms for, for those that know Meraki, that you know simplicity, you know the power of the platform and the power of the full stack. What we're trying to do is, is bring in the pedigree of the Cisco Catalyst platform, right? We've got the, the customers out there that are trying to solve more advanced use cases. And we want to be able to uh, uh, make them happy, and that's what we did with the Dash M, right? It's the born Meraki, so you have the same experience out of box as a traditional Meraki device, but you have the knowledge that that is a Catalyst platform. So when you install it, you have the all the capabilities, um, you know, that come with that uh, hardware. So what kind of differentiates this 9300M from, uh, you know, the the iOS XE based Catalyst platforms and the 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 MS390 uh, that we may be running already for the last couple of years. Yeah, I can, uh, I can start off that one at least. Uh, I think one of the big differentiators uh, when you look at uh, the various platforms, the 9300M brings the ability for customers to uh, you know, choose one type of hardware and then be able to 
pick between how they'd like to manage it. So whether it's, you know, through traditional CLI means through, you know, Catalyst Center or various other management platforms, or if the goal is to move towards a cloud native uh, kind of approach, we, you know, have the ability now to either purchase directly in a, a dash M uh, SKU, which just starts off with the zero touch provision uh, ready to connect to dashboard state. Or it could even have been a you know pre-existing installation or purchase where you know you've you've had it deployed for years and are looking to migrate to a cloud managed platform. So being able to just have that optionality is probably the biggest differentiator when we look at um, between the 390 and uh, the 9300M. Especially when you look into um, you know with the MS390, I mean there's not going to be any optionality to switch back and forth, for instance, between uh, management styles and types. Hey, hey, this is Gerard. I had one quick question. So, you know, again, thank you for all for taking the time to really dive in this. I'm super excited because so one thing I know with, with Meraki too, you know, let's just say Meraki's notorious, especially with the MS 350s and, and really just the platform in general is the zero touch provisioning. I wanted to kind of just touch base so you can elaborate a little on. So, you know, one of the nicest things is the simplicity, right? Like you mentioned, beginning the power, being able to just scale this fast, efficient, get it deployed. I know what the zero touch provisioning that Meraki already has, you know, this could be, you know, provisioned, configured, ready to go before it even leaves the distribution center. What's going to be kind of the differentiator between, you know, like the MS350 as opposed to the new um, 9300M series, like kind of from a zero touch provisioning perspective? Like, what can we kind of see different? Uh, Nico, you want to take this one or you want me to? So there should be no difference. Uh, the out of box experience, if you buy in a Dash M, should be the same ZTP, uh, you know, unbox plug it in and it will pull down its config we'll pull down the firmware version for the network that it's attached to uh, just like any other meraki device so you can still go through pre-provision plan out the entire deployment and just plug the switch in it'll assume the config you've already put in place maybe maybe just to reiterate like the the zero touch or the the you know it's more than just plug and play right we've we've had this capability for a while but it usually means taking a vanilla box a switch you know, plug it into network and then, you know, priming it somehow. This is fundamentally different, you know, and for those that don't know the behavior of Meraki, uh, uh, it's the ability to like, you know, claim an order or serial number, a, a hardware device that you just don't have access to. And it shows up in dashboard virtually so you can configure it. So this is the same process um, as traditional Meraki so that, you know, you configure the switches and then while it's in the back of a truck, ship to the location, they just plug it in and go. And this simplifies like break fixed uh, as well, right? So in, in, someone wants to replace something, they want to upgrade something, they don't have to know, you know, what was the last known configuration. It's that you plug it in, it will just work. And that's that's the simplicity we want to bring while, while removing all the uh, uh, the dependencies that have been traditionally around uh, traditional catalyst switching, right? If you want to look at application visibility, that's not something you can see on a box. So it's the same experience with one switch or, or a thousand switches, right? And, and the flexibility to go either way. You know, and one of the things we noticed, we have some old 9300s laying around and we reprovisioned those as Meraki and it was like a four step process. Didn't take very long. We were able to do the first part of the process and the device would show in the Meraki dashboard. And like you said, Nico, we could put a config on it. You know, that switch grabbed DHCP. We put a basic config on it. We finished the conversion over to the Meraki image and it was up and running. And it was a, about a 20 minute process. Really, really painless. So. Congratulations, That's, that makes our life much easier. But I wanna follow that up. These are traditional 9300 series switches. So do the same rules for stacking and stack features come, come alive? Can I mix like an M-Gig switch with a UPOE switch with just a 
a standard switch? Will stack power work? Do I have yes, sir. Yes. Speeds? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, fundamentally under the hood, right? It's running iOS XE, so it, nothing's changed, right? We're we're not going to rewrite the stack, and so we have that same experience, um, you know, without without having to have the complexity of configuring it. Um, so, what uh, what new features are are in the the switches that are coming out in the next couple of weeks that that aren't currently existing in the in the lineup? That's a great question. So we, we were talking about switching and, and compatibility, sorry, stacking and some compatibility where, you know, the MS390 would only stack with, um, you know, other 390s. Um, it is also, you know, cloud only, right? If we want to look at the Dash M as the first unified platform that can go, you know, fully cloud, or if you want to go on-prem, you can convert it, um, you know, and that's, that's what we're also trying to do for customers with existing catalyst switches out there. Um, you know, it's not a either or, right? Uh, uh, locally managed or on-prem managed or or cloud. It's not uh, pick one side and that's your team. Uh, we've opened the uh, area up to hybrid deployments, right? And this is done with cloud monitoring. So any Catalyst customer out there, you know, if you've got a valid license on your box, you can onboard your, you know, uh, uh, locally uh, configured Catalyst 9K running iOS XE. You know, and have that visibility in dashboard, being able to, you know, bridge the gap between, you know, locally controlled and and cloud visibility with the eventual uh, capability of of migrating to fully managed. Right, if you want to go fully managed, you can convert existing catalyst. And, you know, for for switches that we we don't support fully managed now, for example, for instance, the 9200 series, the 9500 series, uh, you know, the 9200 CXs, little compact switches. We can onboard those guys in in monitor only mode, which means that you know you're running them in production. You can uh, uh, download our little applet through dashboard, configure the uh, those boxes to start feeding telemetry to dashboard, and they show up like a regular Meraki switch. But it's in read only mode, so you're not worried about you know, and you can't really configure it remotely. But the benefit is everything works the same way. So once it's in dashboard, alerting works. If you have a ServiceNow integration, or if you've got a ticketing system that plugs into dashboard, those monitored switches uh, fit in nicely, right? Uh, so this is great for hybrid environments where you may have a 9,500 core, you may be running some more advanced capabilities, BGP, VXLAN, you know, things like that. Um, you can now have that full stack visibility, uh, which a lot of customers want, right? They want the, the capability to troubleshoot and solve the problem without having to jump into multiple systems. And that's one of the, the benefits of this is that you have the choice now, right? Uh, um, you know, you go dash M or if you have existing, you know, catalyst, you can, you can go the hybrid approach fully managed or, uh, you know, pick, pick the way you want to manage it. So can I take can I piggyback off that question real quick, right? Because I think it's exciting. You know, we're going to have a slew of different hardware choices. How does this like what for for maybe from the client's perspective? You know, what kind of options does this open up for them? I mean, again, Meraki is notorious for its scalability, you know, remote management, um, application visibility. What what are some of maybe the other features that they have to look forward to, right? Because it doesn't matter whether you're configuring this for a small, medium sized office or you know an enterprise scale an enterprise level scale deployment. I mean, what's going to be kind of the differentiators there? If we look at, I think if we look at like some of the hardware launches that are coming, and I, I, I think maybe a touch on the original question a little bit more. Um, most of the things that we will be bringing forward with the, uh, you know, the Dash M launches that we have, like the one that was in November and the one um, coming soon, is that we 
capabilities. Like you look at, uh, you know, the ability to power devices with more POE power, higher, you know, port density of, uh, you know, higher speeds, like 10 gig port density, 25 gig port density, et cetera. So there are a lot of the, it's not necessarily a feature, uh, from a, from a software perspective, but more so hardware level, uh, enhancements that continue to bring, you know, more and more applicability to the, the hardware getting deployed. Um, what we do try to take the same mantra around making features as widely available as possible in Meraki so that you don't have to pick and choose um, as specifically on like, okay, so I want this feature. Is it supported across this platform or this platform? A lot, a lot, a lot like the, the C9K kind of uh, methodology around feature sets, like the 9200 supports advanced feature sets like the 9300, maybe not to the degree, uh, the same degree. There are some differences, but like when you look at core fun fundamental functions, like TrustX support or, um, you know, some specific, you know, basic level dependencies, usually those are carried across the board. Yeah. You know, we talk about use case and one of the things I'm seeing is, you know, the, the M9300 is following right on the heels of the CW access points. So I have customers with CW access points and existing Cisco Catalyst, and they've done this in one site, but now we have choice, right? We can start looking at, do we, do we go, do we go controller based on the, the catalyst side or do we go controller based on the Meraki side? And, you know, how do you see this, these options growing in this mix and match hybrid environment? Do we, are we, are we going to see more of this? Like maybe the 9300 IOT switch coming out? I mean, I, I so, hope so, right? So I, I think yeah. part of what we're trying to do is uh, provide an easier way for, you know, customers that maybe are a little intimidated on deploying Catalyst because of all the, you know, extra widgets you need to deploy, right? Uh, configuration backups, you know, uh, uh, troubleshooting, syslog, you know, uh, application visibility. It's, it's, you know, it's the same experience. You can deploy one switch, you get the full capability with everything under the hood. Um, and, you know, uh, as you scale up, right, it's, it's that flexibility where we're going to, try to make all our customers happy, right? From both the enterprise where they may have the inverse, where they have a very, you know, uh, um, well thought out deployed campus location, but that just doesn't scale into their, you know, nine or 9,000 other locations. So it's, it's the best of both worlds uh, with the flexibility um, for the customer. And one and of the yes. things I see, I have a, a number of customers that have Catalyst with Cisco ICE, right? And they're beginning to move, you know, they have requirements and, and they need the network segmentation. And I notice. You're supporting the adaptive policies now, and and I heard mention of of TrustSec tags. That's a uh, how is this going to play into this moving forward? Yeah. So um, one of the other launches that we had recently was the MS130, and specifically the X model, and then the R model, which is our kind of uh, ruggedized ish switch, so it can go into much more uh, less temperature controlled kind of scenarios. And so with that, uh, we are bringing support for inline SGTs and the adaptive policy feature set, which where I'm going at with that is we're trying to make sure that we have optionality across our entire uh, platform portfolio so that when you invest in a specific security methodology like TrustSec or like, you know, using SGTs, you don't have to make a very pointed choice that you're going to buy a really big switch to put in a, an outpost building uh, on site, you know, and so kind of circling back to your question more specifically, we're looking at leaning in on um, making sure that we have ubiquitous coverage of, you know, our security feature sets, especially the more advanced ones like adaptive policy, where we're leveraging, you know, trust sec tagging and uh, SGTs and micro segmentation. So am I to assume that my current ICE deployment and policies will then just mesh into the Meraki 
system and I can continue that on. It's not like a big lift from one system to another. Right. And so since we did build this off of TrustSec and we made sure, made a very uh, like thoughtful choice to ensure that there's interoperability and we leverage the same core constructs. Um, one of the key things that we worked on over the last couple of years was getting to the point where ICE can actually provision policy to dashboard using our APIs. And so um, with ICE 3.2 patch 1, we did release the Meraki connector, I believe as it's referred. And you can then go in and tell ICE like what aspects of the, you know, TrustSec policy you'd like to sync to dashboard and do so on a continual basis so that organizations that don't have a jack of all trades engineer that works on networking works on dashboard works on ice works on you know the whole uh breadth of things that can come into play uh you may have a security team that just works on ice and so being able to set that connector up means that we can ensure that that security team can continue to operate still deploying policy the way that they have historically but also have that attached to dashboard and maintain consistency between the two so to answer your question yes the intention is that when you have a TrustSec deployment built, you'll be able to leverage that same policy, the same constructs that you've already built within ICE um, and just carry that into the cloud. That is excellent to hear. I was very excited when we got that out the door. So it's kind of like an SD access for those of us that don't want to work so hard, right? We're not having to do VXLAN, we're not doing BGP. <laughs> and, you know, I still speak with, uh, you know, and then we have Lisp, right? And sitting with a customer explaining all these protocols is, is tiring, right? It takes a different scale of an engineer and, and to see this technology brought to Meraki with the, you know, the easy button of Meraki, uh, we, we kind of joke about that, but there's some truth to it, right? You know, it yeah. just works. To your point, like, there's obviously use cases and typically Cisco likes to build things that take it, like, take into account, like, any possible scenario and we build very capable, like, solutions. In this case, yeah, it, our goal was not to necessarily re-architect uh, how topologies are built, but more so augment. And so that's one of the key things that I think is really important with uh, adaptive policy and trust sec as a whole is that you don't have to rewrite your IP topology or honestly do much in the way of changing how the network is architected outside of making sure you have the right hardware in place and then a few configurations to propagating, uh, you know, the the actual like tag values. And so, and the cool part about that is it is IP agnostic. It is kind of topology agnostic. So we're not depending upon like a specific like network architecture necessarily to deliver it. So yeah, to your point, we we tried to aim for the specific ask, which was give us something that can perform micro segmentation and security. And we found a really good answer with TrustSec. And you're leveraging the APIs and Rocky's been known since the beginning for an API suite, right? So Absolutely. And everything in, again, this goes for most, if not all things in dashboards since about 2018, 2019, we changed from being API is like a nice to have to API being the default and required, um, like kind of 1st step before we even get dashboard bolted onto it. And so when you look at any feature that comes out, there's a public API that is associated to it. So that, you know, if you do have programming chops, myself, not included. Uh, you could technically go out and build and still maintain the same amount of configuration that you could do through dashboard, but do it through a programmable interface uh, without losing out on, you know, this feature, but it only exists in dashboard kind of uh, uh, feel that we used to have uh, earlier on. And this adaptive policy moves between wired and wireless, right? So it's correct. Much the same policy everywhere. Including uh, the MX and auto VPN. So you're talking about a full stack solution, being able to preserve those SGD tags, right? But you don't need to preserve them end to end if you don't want to, you, you enforce them 
at a site level, at a, at a you know auto VPN uh, hub and spoke level, or or beyond, right? So it's um, oh, very wow. flexible. Transport yeah, the, across, across my SD WAN to a virtual virtual MX sitting in the cloud. Yeah, so I mean, like you'd end up running into some cloud providers probably not supporting the the SGT themselves, but the big piece behind. Uh, bringing like the phased approach we took to the MX platform, um, not to jump ahead because your first question is about wired and wireless. Uh, <laughs> we, we definitely, when we launched back in 2020, uh, we had full support for, uh, from MR. We worked very closely with the engineering team and made sure that, you know, we built everything out to perform standard, you know, encapsulation and handling of the tags and policy. Which is why you can also attach an MR to a catalyst switch running in a fabric. And if you propagate SGTs, you'll end up being able to carry that. Um, up to the MR as you would, you know, within a full and, you know, fully built out TrustSec environment. What, what Nico is pointing to is that part of our strategy is also to ensure that you can extend your policy environment from just being a single site level policy construct to being able to carry tags uh, across your entire organization, which means that you're then able to perform the same level of segmentation and control on an endpoint in site A, talking to an endpoint in site B as you would within the same switch or within the same topology. And so, um, we do have a phased approach to deployment, so MX doesn't currently enforce policy, but it does uh, preserve and propagate tags. And we are working towards, you know, more classification functions the MX can do, and then the, uh, you know, enforcement point, which then brings teleworker appliances and home users into this mix, where you can then start really putting security policy against uh, your entire deployment, entire fleet, uh, and get the same policy outcome, which I think is. Probably one of the most frustrating things I used to run into when I was deploying networks for customers before I came to Cisco was that you always had 10 different touch points to deliver the same outcome. And, you know, we tried to standardize things with like downloadable ACLs, but then they get handled differently when you had the old WLCs. It was always a fun time trying to figure out how to just get that same construct in place. And so this does unify that. And it means that. Yeah, you're not going and configuring this, but slightly differently there, slightly differently there kind of, uh mentality that we've had to have as network engineers for a very long time. So I know, you know, every time I get the honor and privilege to the champion radio episodes, you know, one, the one, the one inevitable question always comes up licensing. Right. And oh. I guess, Oh, I know. I know. I have, to, I have to be that guy. I'm normally not that guy. So this is me today, but I am interested, right? Cause you're going to see, you know, the 9300 M series, slew of different models, options. What, what how does that going to work? For existing clients and customers who have, you know, a mix, a mix match, right? A mixed bag of MS and MX devices in their environment. Will that transfer over? Is it, I mean, how does that all work? Is that going to be its own separate entity and piece? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to hand this to Nico, but just to, just to clarify, if we look at this from a catalyst switch that has a license already that's getting moved to dashboard, I know that we have, um, I believe Nico has some answers here for you. Um, that's one area we should look at. And then there is another kind of, Parallel effort going on to provide a little bit more flexibility in how we manage licensing and how things are are handled within dashboards so that customers are able to not have to lock everything into a specific like license level, for instance, organization wide. But before we go there, Nico, would you you want to take the uh, absolutely? Uh, so so traditionally, uh, you know, Meraki switching licensing has been bound to that specific model that you've purchased, right? So a twenty four port P versus Full P power is different, right? And that was a uh, uh, you know challenging for the customers. Uh, and and with the 390, we introduced more uh, universal tiers. Uh, so we've got essentially a 24 port or a 48 port, and then you've got 
either enterprise or advanced licensing, or those are the two flavors. So essentially four combinations, um, you know, and we, we're keeping that same uh, licensing model with the C9300s. Uh, but just to be clear, the MS390s, those licensing will only be on the MS390s. What has changed is that going forward, the, the C9300-Ms, as well as the 9300Xs that are coming out and the 9300Ls coming out, we are we're sticking to the 9300 license, right? So you can purchase a, you know, a Dash M born Meraki C9300 48 port today with a license. Um, you know, in a few years, you want to upgrade it to 9300X. Uh, you just swap out the hardware. That license uh, will still work, right? We we look at your active count of of devices in dashboard. So there's a lot more flexibility there, right? So say you've got, you know, the need for more uh, M gig 90 watt UPOE plus, uh, you can add a 9300X to your 9300 stack, right? So that's one of the benefits of going to native uh, 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 Catalyst is that we can, you know, have the same stacking capabilities, right? 9300s and 9300Xs can stack, no problem. Um, and the licensing um, is, is pretty, it's not bound to the hardware SKU itself, right? So think about break fix. Uh, you, you contact our support, you have the same Meraki support model. So you contact our support, the switch is bad. This is back to why Meraki dashboard is so great. It's, it's a single source of truth. So you lose that switch, you don't have a configuration backup. Well, you're wrong because it's in dashboard, right? So you go in, add the new hardware. Do one command to flip the serial numbers. That configuration is now on the new hardware, and you plug in the hardware. There's no need to, uh, you know, provision that switch with a base config, or you know, and then prime it on site. It's it, we simplify the entire thing as well. Uh, so licensing, we look at current uh, accounts, um, and what Alex was mentioning is like, where do we go from? You know, I've got you know people that have 9300s in the field that they want to go full Meraki. Um, what about 9500s in modern mode? So, you know, existing switches out there, let's start with the brownfield. So you've got uh, 9300 in production, 9300X, 9500, 9200, uh, and you want to get it into dashboard. Um, you know, the existing DNA license, as long as it's valid, right, uh, you still have license left on it, you can convert or have that uh, switch in monitoring uh, with no additional licensing, right? So you go right to dashboard, create your account if you don't have one, add a monitor only switch and then you see it in dashboard now if you want to convert that switch to full meraki management uh, which will require a, a reload uh, that's when you will need a meraki license right so you know if and, and inversely and then and there is a process to convert it so you know you you contact support i've got you know two years left on my license i want to i want to go all in meraki we will be able to convert that DNA license to the equivalent Meraki license for you, and, and vice versa. Maybe you uh, you know bought into you bought a, a stack of the Dash M born Meraki catalysts, and you're like, oh man, this is just way too easy. I, I need a little bit more uh, uh, complexity in my life, and I want to go fully unmanaged, right? I want to get my Ansible skills up or something. We also have a, a process to take that Meraki licensing and revert that to uh, a DNA or, or catalyst licensing, so that you can go uh, full DIY if you want to, uh, but that's that's we, that's the flexibility we're providing. You can go fully untouched, hands off, the monitor, which is the best of both worlds. You still want that CLI. You still want the advanced capabilities to do RIP V2 over uh, you know VXLAN to your local G or whatever you know whatever you want to do. You have that capability with monitor mode. But then if you want uh, uh, that full Meraki experience, you can go fully managed, right? Um, so that's 
that's a lot of flexibility we're giving the customer uh, customers out there. That sounds phenomenal. Power of the cloud for the win again. So I see uh, in the announcement you've got a ninety watt UPOE and and some um, hundred gig uplinks and twenty five gig uplinks. So is that all new to the Meraki platform, or is that you know? Um, and what does that kind of enable us to do as far as networks that that weren't previously available on on Meraki? Absolutely. So the the we in in November we announced nine SKUs, uh, the Dash M's, right? So that was our first uh, release of the C ninety three hundred Dash M's, and those nine SKUs were uh, essentially parity with what we have with the three nineties. Now that that's you know sixty watt UPoE, uh, you know four hundred eighty gig stacking, you know ten gig uplinks, you know a lot of or in ten and forty gig uplinks, and that is uh, pretty good. But a lot of customers are demanding. The newer features, right? And and Cisco uh, has been, you know, shipping the 9300X, and this is a it's a hardware limitation, right? So uh, one of the big asks out there is for you know some of these you know smart uh, smart offices, right, uh, where they need 90 watt PoE to drive LEDs or, or displays, uh, you know, triple cameras or some crazy stuff. There's a lot of stuff being built. Uh, under the you know 90 watt model, right? E even like laptops being able to be charged via Ethernet, right? Which is pretty neat. So the the new announcement, or we are actually shipping these new 15 SKUs. These the hardware brings the capability. So what what Meraki is trying to do is we want to focus in on what we do great is getting the best management platform out there to manage the best hardware out there. Uh, these capabilities uh, are coming to Meraki because we're able to bring in the 9300X, right? The 90 watt UPoE plus the terabit stacking, 25 gig and 100 gig uplinks at a you know at a switch access level that's really future proofs your hardware. Plus, you know, line rate capability for all this adaptive policy Alex was mentioning is that we want that that same you know uh, experience or the same policy you've created now with a, a greater capabilities. And that's that's what we're doing with the Dash M platforms is not you know trying to not lock into specific hardware, but being able to open it up to all hardware that uh, uh, Cisco uh, can provide eventually, right? Uh, baby steps at first. Yeah, one thing to add to that is like the 2500 gig, we did have a model of switch or have a model of switch called the MS450 that does do 100 gig, but one of the key things that we've had a gap in is that 25 gig support. And one of the neat parts about technology or in some cases painful parts is that we go to a standard or we think it's gonna be a standard like QSFP, and then the cost is really high to develop that. And then they come out with a new standard and it's cheaper, but the form factor is different. And so one of the key things we've had feedback from the field from customers, um, partners is that, hey, yeah, 25 gigs here, where's your 25 gig? These SFPs are cheap, those QSFPs are not, and I need more than 10 gigs. So it does kind of open us up to a, you know, a more flexible model. So if you've adopted 40 gig, great, we've got modules for that, but if you, you know, are looking to standardize and upgrade to like a 25 gig and using the same kind of form factor as an SFP, uh, you know, that kind of comes with the, with the next refresh of switches as well. So, you know, one of the things I noticed about the Meraki dashboard that we've seen for a long time is application visibility. You know, now that we're bringing the 9300 in, are we going to get that in bar stack to get more granular application visibility? And the second part of that question is, can I write an adaptive policy built on applications? Excellent question. Uh, I'll take this one. Uh, so we are continually adding and ensuring that we update our NBAR packages uh, on the platform. So like the MS390 came with NBAR support and we were able to start 
the path of switches that are able to do, you know, that really granular 1500 plus application tracking. Um, we don't intend on that changing. We can, we're going to continue relying on, um, utilizing, you know, the native built in functions of the hardware with the added benefit of showing it a nice, pretty graphs for you. Uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, enforcing policy, that's where I think we're going to need to rely on. This is where that policy would get enforced from an ASIC perspective, being able to kind of intercept and then uh, change things based on an application layer becomes really expensive, uh, whether it's going to be performance or scalability. And so as of right now, we don't have support for uh, like down to the application level, like construct in that way. Like we do have like, you know, you can match based on like standard application ports and you can look at things in that light. But um, as far as like enforcement's concerned, not today. Um, however, we are working with, uh, you know, our SDWA and firewall product team on ways that you could potentially um, you know, use that, uh, the function that MX has that works really well, uh, of being able to build, you know, MBAR based policies and potentially say, Hey, if I see this SGT and it's trying to talk to blah, 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 uh, application, drop that stuff. And so that's some, uh, work we're trying to. Uh, get underway to kind of extending the, the the usefulness of a tag. It shouldn't just be micro segmentation. It's a context element so that you can pull from the network, you know, the associated grouping and then be able to do different things, whether it's making route decisions or, you know, policy enforcement decisions. Um, this is where a software stack, like a, a software based platform, like a, like a, a firewall or an access point, it's a lot easier than on a switch where we're, you know, expected to do line rate. And then if we start trying to track applications and enforce policy, it does become, um, slightly limiting at least so far. You know, that's the one thing too. I love about the Meraki cloud platform. It's like, y'all keep raising the bar. Right. Can you, can you touch base or elaborate on, you know, kind of how like image and firmware upgrades would look, is it going to be similar to the current platform or is it going to be even easier if, if that even is a thing, you know, right? Because it just keeps getting simpler and simpler. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I can, I can take that. Right. And it, it, this is, this is 1 of the things we wanted to do is not just make it a, you know, easy way to deploy catalyst, which is in Meraki or in your network, but what are we providing on top of that? And. You know, we want to take a lot of the pain points of traditional switch management, right? Things like firmware management, remote packet captures. If, if you ever had to do a remote packet capture, you need to like, you know, do the capture, find a TFTP or a FTP server, export it. Same thing with firmwares, right? You need to make sure that there's enough space on the, di on the, on the switch itself. You have uh, accessibility to it. Theoretically, you only can do one switch at a time, right? And that's that. It's adding a lot of logistics to, uh, you know, the the ownership of this product. So, you know, on top of all the visibility and dashboard, which Alex covered, right? You know, if if you don't know what's going on in your network, it's very hard to write policy or to make corrections. And that's what do we want to do day one? Is that visibility, right? On top of things like firmware management, right? That's one of the first things we tackled, and that's it was native to our, our traditional switching platform where, you know, we know what your switches are running firmware wise. So things like P certs that come out, we, uh, we are able to alert you right away. Like you've got this bonus exposure in the network. Uh, do you want to, do you want to upgrade? Yes or no. If, you know, with the standard GA train, if a customer does nothing and they never log into the system, we will upgrade them to the, to the latest GA, um, you know, so that they don't end up with, you know, eight year old, uh, switch firmware that is, uh, you know, vulnerable. Right. Uh, but having that, that granularity, um, you know, wouldn't uh, the firmware management granularity or, or power really didn't apply to enterprise, uh, premier customers, you know, a year or two ago. And this is 1 of the things we worked on and we introduced, uh, new innovations in firmware management and upgradability, right? The ability to do 
are enhanced staged upgrades. And this is you know taking a location, understanding uh, uh, which switches are at what part of the network, what what's core, what's access distribution, and being able to upgrade them over stages over multiple days to you know keep the highest uptime for that location or to have that granularity to you know roll back roll forward because some locations or some customers may have you know 40 70 switches at a site that's not something you want to do at, at one time and you know traditionally you'd have to do it by hand just to make sure that you know everything's reliable but with the meraki management you have that visibility you have that uh, uh i mean there is no other way to upgrade a switch uh, Meraki switch then through dashboard. So that's the, the pedigree of Meraki dashboard now coming to the whole firmware management on top of uh, other features that uh, we want to augment with cloud, right? Like ca firmware capture is a great one. You, you hit packet capture on a client or switch port. It, that packet capture is on your box at the end of that capture, right? You don't have to worry about the, the workflow to kind of get that all, uh, off the box, right? So we want to empower the user. We, as Meraki, we want to like make every engineer a 10x engineer. And the way we do that is starting with uh, the best of breed uh, uh, hardware out there so that we can work off the, the capabilities that's baked into the product. Adaptive policy, you know, uh, we've, uh, I've had a customer in our previous life where they turned on segmentation for a guest network uh, uh, in real time because they didn't want to go and segment the network into another subnet, right? So. That's the power of the platform of being able to do know exactly what's going on, have the right tools to confirm it to your boss, and then making that change and then seeing the result of it. Uh, and that's that's seen with firmware management verification, knowing that you know clients are having problems post upgrade. We have that visibility in real time, so we actually have a lot more feedback and telemetry coming from the field now that it's all uh, cloud powered, uh, and that allows us to build a better product and more reliable for the customer. So. You said two words that, I mean, everything is astounding, but you said two words that always have stuck with me in my career, granularity and mm -hmm. segmentation, right? Especially security being one of my areas, you're always trying to lock stuff down. I love the end user. I know, you know, sometimes we joke end user experience, but that is one thing. It's my last question, actually, that I had, I wanted to touch bases. I know, like, again, the Meraki series notorious for being able to configure and having purport VLAN management. How does that look on the 9300X? Is it the exact same capabilities or is there more granularity into that as well? I said, so I know the Meraki series is notorious for, you know, having a per port VLAN management, right? Like being able to kind of segment and configure, um, you know, just historically on the Meraki platform. How does that look in the 9300-M series? Does that give you more granularity into that or how does that look? So from a port level configuration perspective, we, we aren't necessarily yeah. changing anything, right? So it's still okay. going to be to the same degree of like management. We did uh, okay. and we are like iterating through ways to make port management more repeatable. So if you've ever had to, you know, configure 20 ports and then come back and configure the same 20 ports uh, for something different, uh, historically, you'd have to make sure you just select the right ones, click edit and dashboard, and then you can, you know, modify ports in bulk. Um, one of the features that we did just come out with recently is port profiles so that you can define a profile and then just associate it to a port, which means that if you had to change a, you know, state of a desktop and phone you know, port config or camera or what access point, you just go to the profile, augment the config, and then you're done. And uh, so I will, I will caveat that right now port profiles isn't on the 390-9300. Uh, we are working through a couple things on the back end to fix that, but we will be bringing that out for the 9300. And in the meantime, we also did bring uh, uh, VLAN profiles so that you can associate a name to an ID. Sounds crazy. It's been around forever, but um, one of the key things that we wanted to do with that is not only give you, you know, radius based named VLAN uh, assignment, but also carry that to switch port management so that 
you, if you configure a bunch of names and IDs, when you go to a port and you go to the data VLAN, you can just select it out of a list with the name associated. So you don't have to, you know, go look at your like Excel spreadsheet of this site. This is VLAN ID 200. It's more, a little bit more user friendly, I guess, in the long run. Awesome. So, yeah. Uh, so, Actually, kind of asking that same uh, classic networking realm of, uh, are there any additional routing capabilities available um, on the 9300M platform? Um, can I do, you know, what uh, dynamic routing protocols, things like that, do I have? So it's a, it's a great question. So initially uh, on our you know launch, we're sticking with feature parity, right? So that's uh, your dynamic routing is going to be limited to OSPF uh, v2, right? Uh, but that Part of one of the part of the reason we are going to the Catalyst platform is just the the breadth of capabilities. Um, so you're going to start seeing uh, you know feature acceleration based on the Dash M platform uh, being out there, and and we are looking to expand that capability into the probably the more common uh, protocols that you know out there, right? So things like you know BGP and VRF support, um, you know, but it's it's you know we want to make sure that the transition with the hardware is uh, successful first. And then start, uh, you know, empowering uh, features later on. So, you know, stay tuned for some of that. All right, I have one more question, and then I'll I'll shut up. Um, VSEC support. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we need we need questions, or this will end quickly. Um, yeah. No, the uh, so VSEC support. Uh, so we did a preliminary uh, support for some V6, uh, you know, L3 routing with uh, MS15. And we are working, you know, further and further into supporting um, more granular V6 support. Like when it came to management, we've had like the ability for a switch to be, you know, have a V6 only address for management for a while now. Uh, same for access points. Um, kind of piggybacking off of MX. MX has been working on V6 for a while, and um, we are a little bit behind on the routing side compared to, you know, MX in that regard. But um, that is an area that we are continually working on and trying to improve uh, so that. Yeah, when one day, as I keep getting told by people, um, I'm not going to name drop Jeffrey Handel, who tells me that one day it's going to be <laughs> only V6 everywhere. Uh, we should be ready to go, hopefully, by then. But, uh, yeah. I'm I'm currently taking a client. They're hoping to be V6 only by the end of next year. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Dreams. I'm just kidding. Sounds fun. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a very, very informative conversation. Before we close out, though, Alex and Nico, was there anything that you wanted to share, discuss, ask? I think uh, I think my one final thought or you know request would be um, not just to you gentlemen here, but uh, you know to those listening. I mean, please, please don't hesitate to give feedback, uh, how whatever means you find possible. If you have Meraki, we do actually read the. Uh, point, uh, part that used to be called wish, and I can't remember what it's called now. Maybe back to wish again. Uh, we do read those wishes. They get actually piped right to engineering and product management, and it's very visible. But please don't hesitate to give us feedback across the board on the products. That's how we do make sure we build things that are important and interesting versus, uh, you know, things we decide to cook up in the kitchen here. So. All right. Well, another thank you to our champion host and to our Cisco guest. To our listeners, if you want to continue your learning on today's topics, you can check out the resources provided in the show notes below. And this is your weekly reminder. You can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in and see you again next time.